Yeah, you hear that phrase a lot, it's lonely at the top. Oh, it's lonely at the top. You know, you hear people say that, and usually when they're saying it, they're referring to someone who excels at something, people who excel at something, someone who's the best at something. And it's true for that, because I mean, when you're the best at something, or if you truly excel at it, you don't have very many peers. You have few, if any, peers. But, you know, that, that saying, you know, it's lonely at the top, I'm realizing lately that it definitely applies to being in any kind of leadership position. And I've never been in a managerial position quite like this, anywhere near this. I've managed people, I've supervised people, but I've never had an experience like this. I, I don't think this is even typical of retail management. I think aspects of it are, but I think as a whole, there's something just very bizarre about this whole experience. And I know that I'm meant to do it, but I've been doing 60-hour weeks. Last week, I didn't. But a friend was visiting, and so I didn't really have the my days off totally free because I, I need some time of just absolute free time. I haven't had that. I don't need it right now, though. I'm, I, I'm actually totally comfortable doing what I've been doing. I'm totally comfortable working 60-hour weeks and just being one with the ghost ship that is this building I work at. And uh, I'm actually fine with that. The only thing I don't like about it is... I'm just not getting to spend enough time with Batty. I don't like the fact that Batty, you know, doesn't have me home very much at all. It's the only aspect I don't like. And that's, you know, the main reason ultimately it's not sustainable for me. I mean, among other reasons, but that's a big one. It's a very important one for me is spending more time with Batty. Uh, and, and, but right now, like, I'm just like, think about it, just working 60 hour weeks, most weeks these days. Yeah. People do that. People who work for themselves work more than that. But really, it's like you, you don't have a life. There's no life to live. And I don't need one right now. Like I said, I don't even, I'm not even bothered by it. Like the money is wonderful. But beyond the money, I don't think about the money while I'm there. I just think I'm meant to be doing this right now. I'm meant to be working insane hours in an insane environment around insane people. But anyway, uh, lately more and more I've been realizing like being in this role, this manager role, it's a very lonely position. It's a very lonely position to be in. And I've only really realized that, really realized lately. Because when I started there, you know, for like three weeks maybe I was the admin assistant which you basically stand in as the manager if he's not there. I mean, in my case, the manager was high on opiates, so he really wasn't even there mentally. But still, like the position in theory was meant, oh, I'll stand in as the manager. I do administrative duties. I do a lot of technical stuff behind the scenes. But then with the, the, the manager leaving three weeks in and just obviously being mentally checked out on something, probably opiates, the way he was nodding off all the time, you know, I, like stepping in as manager, I've had to kind of gradually realize I can't say anything to anybody. I'll, I can talk to people and joke with them, but I can't talk as a peer to people because I don't see people as subordinates. The people who work for me, I don't look at them and think, oh, that, that person's under me. Like, yeah, I know that I have to step in if they're not doing what they're supposed to do. I have to tell them what to do sometimes. 
if they don't do what they're supposed to do, I have to do something about it. I have to at the very least be aware of it. You know, they, they answer to me. If they have a problem, they come to me. I'm very well aware of what the relationship is to these people. But I don't see them and think of them as... I just see, the, I just see people. And as a result, I've kind of had to learn, like, I really can't say anything. And it's not like I was saying a lot. It's not like I was gossiping with these people a lot. I think I've always been pretty good ever since I've been the manager. I think I've been very good at not saying too much, not talking too freely. But I, I, at the same time, I was talking too freely. Like there were a few people that I kind of viewed as confidants that I could talk to about what's going on, what's up with certain people. Some of them, it was relevant because they're in supervisory positions, so it's relevant. Some of them were just people that I could trust. They're people I know wouldn't go blabbing about it. Because the, the crazy thing is, I mean, just gossip is so out of control. Even though it's not the, it's by far not the worst place for gossip. There's far worse places. Gossip is far more rampant in other places. That said, it's still this unstoppable force. And I realize that anything I say gets magnified. If I say it, it's magnified and it gets distorted. Like there have been a few instant, couple instances where words were put in my mouth. In one case, words that weren't even I didn't even say. Like there was an issue about a month ago, a few weeks ago, where I said like someone overheard me say like we're not going to do anything about it right now. We're just going to kind of wait and see. It was something that somebody who works there did. And I said, we're, I'm not going to address it right now. I said, we're just going to kind of wait and see because it's weird. It's a weird behavior. And then somebody overheard that and they started telling people that my words were, shut the fuck up about it. You guys need to shut the fuck up about it. Because it was something that people should be concerned about. It was a weird theft. Something got stolen like somebody I fired had left their vape behind and someone took the vape, someone who doesn't even vape, and this person has turned out to be unstable and they're gone now, the person who took it. But still, it was, it was a person who had otherwise been very reliable and honest and they took this fired woman's vape that she left behind and pretended it was theirs. And uh, people saw him do it and they were upset about it. They're like, he took her vape. Like, even though she's fired, like, you know, he took it. And I was just like, you know, it's weird. It's kind of an awkward situation because it's a possession that belonged to somebody who was fired. And I don't think a fired person should have their shit taken. No way. But it was also, it was a guy who just didn't seem like he would do that. I was just like, there must be some, there must be some confusion. There, mu there must be an explanation, is kind of my thought. Now I think he's just crazy. I've since learned he's just crazy. He's the same guy who assaulted another employee that I was talking about. Physically assaulted another employee for no reason. Just snapped and assaulted him. Tried to attack him with a metal object. Just weird stuff. Psycho snap. Psychos, psycho snap. Uh, but, you know, when this came up, like I, I said to somebody else who was in a position to discuss this with, I just said, you know, my my take right now is I don't really know how to address this. It's a weird, it's a weird incident. I don't really know what to think about it.
a, a girl who works for me overheard that and she sent word along to the other employees that I said, you guys need to shut the fuck up about it. It doesn't matter. Which is so different from what I actually said. What I actually said is just like, I'm going to log this. I'm going to make a mental note that this happened. I'm going to wait to address it and just see what else happens. Turns out the guy who did that, the guy who took the vape, just snapped one day and attacked somebody. So obviously some weird stuff was going, some antisocial, just insanity was going on in this guy. But it's weird to have that taken, not, that's not even being taken out of context. That's flat out having words put in my mouth, meaning. It's not just words. This was overheard and meaning was given to my words in addition to changing my words. And I did not say shut the fuck up about it. It doesn't matter. But that was the trans... I mean, it's a game of telephone right there. That's why the game of telephone is responsible for so many big issues. And people don't even realize how that happens. So many issues between people. But anyway, that's just one example. That's just, that's just words being put in my mouth meaning being assigned to my words that wasn't there. Because it'd be one thing if I had said, hey, I don't want anybody talking about this. We're not going to, it doesn't matter. Because you could like translate that into like, shut the fuck up, it doesn't matter. But the fact that it was, it wasn't that it doesn't matter. What I specifically said was, this is weird. I don't really know what to think about it right this second. There were a lot of other issues going on too. And I was like, I'm going to wait and see what, if any, if this guy does anything else weird, I'm going to wait and see if maybe there's more to the story, but it matters to me. I don't want people taking anything. Even if someone got fired, I don't want someone stealing their stuff before they can come back and get it. But anyway, uh, that's just one example of like how things get distorted and it might've been done deliberately. When people distort things that much, sometimes they have an ulterior motive. I don't know what it would be, but, you know, it's, I'm also realizing though that I, you know, I have to be very careful what I say about anything. Like, I mean, cause there's certain people that have been my confidants for one reason or another. Sometimes they're in like a, a leadership role, but beneath me, but I have to be careful about what I say to them. Cause I don't want to put my worries onto them. I don't want to poison them in any way because if i say like oh i don't really like this employee that has weight to it and when i was still in this admin assistant role a mistake i made is there was a, there was a new employee who's still with us and i've actually grown to appreciate but at the time we had this new employee who was just rubbing me the wrong way every second just complaining I felt this person was untrustworthy. Just a multitude of things. They, they missed a lot of work. Just doing a lot of things that were bothering me. Bothering everybody. This person was pissing a lot of people off on top of that. And so I commented to a few people. I was just like, yeah, I don't like her. I don't trust her. And I realized now what a mistake that was. Even though I wasn't the manager yet, I was still part of the, the management and I saw those people as peers because at that time, you know, I wasn't the boss at that point. 
I kind of would stand in as the boss, but I wasn't the boss. I didn't. I had no control over who gets hired, fired. I wouldn't be directing people what to do much. I'm just kind of there if you can't talk to the boss or if he's not there that day. But what a mistake that was to tell people I didn't like this person, didn't trust this person. You know, I should not have done that. I shouldn't have put that in their heads. And in the, in that case, like, they agreed at the time. Like, it came up because, like, they were having issues with this person too. But still, I, I shouldn't have said it. And when I became manager, I, I, I was very conscious of that. I was like, I'm not going to say some of the things I've been saying. I'm not going to be talking. I can't talk to these people like peers. Even if I see them as peers, I can't talk to them that way because the reality is they're not. Like, I have power and you know, authority that they don't have for one over them and over other people and over everything there up to a point. So just by definition, I'm not their peer. We're not on an equal playing field. And anything I say, even if I think it's relevant, even if I just want to vent, because I mean, that, that's a part of this, like saying it's lonely at the top. One of the issues is you really can't vent to people. And there's nobody in my position in the store except for me, but I can't even really vent to upper management. Like, even though they'll listen to me, even though if I, if there's an issue, one, I don't want to bug them with a million things because being in a leadership role of any kind is death by a thousand cuts. Like the number of little bullshit things that get thrown your way, just even just running things, even just doing your job, the basics, that's a thousand cuts right there. But the people under you, they have no concept of how every little request, every little complaint, even just sometimes every little conversation, it's one more thing you don't need to deal with. Like, if it's important, please talk to me. Like, you can't even say that to them, though. For the reasons I'm talking about here in this episode, you can't even say to these people, like, stop bugging me. You can't even politely say that of like, oh, please only come to me if it's of extreme importance. Please only bring something up with me if it's truly important. You can't say that because you don't want to discourage people from coming to you because it's your job for them to come to you. The reason you're in the position you're in is so that they can come to you with the things that they're dealing with. And while it'd be nice to set some guidelines, you can't, it's, it's very difficult to do that. It's not an exact science. And you don't want to demoralize them. You don't want to come across as uncaring. Like, even if all you're going to do is hear them out and do nothing, which is honestly what a lot of shit comes down to. Like, a lot of the stuff that the employees under me, it's today it's the most important thing in the world. Oh, this. I mean, the other day I came in, it was my Monday. And my Mondays, if I'm, if I'm not there for a single day, I have a laundry list of things I have to get done that morning. And this woman comes to me and she's like, oh, this, this. Oh, the other day when you weren't here, this other woman said to this girl who works here, you're too skinny and we need to put some weight on you. And she's really, this girl's not even that skinny. She's just like, I, I just see her as like, just thin. She's not like emaciated. But she's like, she's very sensitive about her, how thin she is. And like, she was really upset that that woman said that. Like, that's as if the woman said, like, you're fat. You know, 
just because she's skinny doesn't mean it's, it's just this, this thing about, and I'm just like, oh, more and more, that's just my response. Oh, oh, I get it. I don't want people hurting each other's feelings, but there've been a lot of things like that. Like, oh, she's, it's all, it's, and you know, I hate to say it. I really don't hate to say it because it's true, but I hate to say it because people project whatever they want onto a statement like this. But the truth is, it's mostly the women. I mean, it's, it's almost entirely the women. Like thinking about the men, the boys who have worked, the, the men and boys, men and boys, the men and boys who have worked for us, there have been issues with them, like the psycho who snapped. But like they, there have been some who have gotten disgruntled, but there's no drama to it. They don't hurt each other's feelings. Like even when they give each other shit and stuff, they really don't hurt each other's feelings. There isn't this resentment. There aren't these politics. Because what I've realized too with the women of all ages, there's this politics to it where they form factions and they switch factions. Like there's the mean, there was the mean girl group. And then one of the girls in the mean girl group wasn't really that mean and had problems with the mean girl. And then she broke off or got kicked out or both. And then now she's with this other, she's friendly with this other woman who's the mean girls make fun of behind her back and hate. And so like now she's on that side, but now she's been sharing the mean girls secret shit talk, like what they've said about so-and-so with her new friend. And they're really nice. Like they're not, they're not being mean girls about it, but they are sharing the most valuable currency, which is gossip. And you know, the sharing of secrets and things. And so, like, that's that's just been a regular fixture the last couple of weeks. The tension between them. Oh, they, she told me that they said this about me. And it, I don't want them doing that. I don't want them talking about you behind your back. But I also don't want the girl who used to hang out with them to be sharing that with you. It goes back to the Marlon Brando. There's a Marlon Brando appearance on Dick Cavett. I don't typically go watch old episodes of talk shows from the 70s, but I saw this Marlon Brando interview. And Dick Cavett goes like, the newspapers, the, the, this, this review said this about your latest movie. He just, he like shared a bunch of media criticism of him. He shared a bunch of media criticism of Marlon Brando with Marlon Brando. He like read it. Like he had newspapers and he read like scathing reviews and negative things that had been said about him in the press. And I remember Marlon Brando's response, just in his quiet voice, he was just like, why would you tell me those things? Why would you tell me those things? And I, it, was a, it was a very profound moment watching it because I was like, that's a really good point. Why would you share those with him? They said the, they, they said that about him. But why, why do you need to tell him? Why do you need to share it with him? It's not life and death. It's not of the utmost importance. Oh, some critics criticized Marlon Brando. Why tell him? And it, I think what made it so good was not just him saying that, not just like, why would you tell me this? It's that you could tell Dick Cavett like had this moment of self-realization where he kind of laughed but you could kind of see, he seems like a smart guy. He was before my time, but he was a popular talk show host back then. 
but you could see on his face like he tried to kind of laugh it off but you could see on his face like almost like yeah he, he might have tried he tried to save it somehow but it was just the sort of self-aware moment like the light had been shined on him like yeah why would i do that and it's the same thing for you know gossip where oh yeah like you heard those girls say this about her so she should know that but does she need to know that like it's just going to upset her then there's the chain reaction of her telling me about it and now me having the dilemma of like do i chastise these people for gossiping one it's probably not going to stop it from happening I mean, I've, I've tried instituting a no-gossip rule. You can't stop it. And now I'm in the position of like, do I have to reprimand this girl for gossiping privately to her friend? But then her and her friend had a falling out, and now her friend's telling other people, like, nobody, it's, nobody's right and nobody's wrong. Like, the gossiping is toxic and wrong. Like, talking shit about people is wrong. But just the way it all plays out, we're like, you know, even if this girl means well, like sharing the gossip with the girl who is the target of the gossip, it's just, and it's just always among the women. And it doesn't seem to matter who, like there are women there who don't do this. Point, the point is, is that when it's brought to my attention, it's always an issue among the women. And it's never an issue between the, the women and the men. It's always internal to the women. And they're always like splitting off. They're always breaking off into new friend groups. It's just, there's not even very many of them, but it all plays out. Uh, but anyway, you know, the death by a thousand cuts. I mean, that's just, the gossip is too much. Like the amount of, the amount that I just hear about that's brought to my attention and it, it only lasts for a day is the thing too. You know, it really only lasts for a day. Like this thing's of the utmost concern. And they hallucinate too because these two groups of women were having problems. And one of them, and I, this, is, this is one of the cuts. This is one of the thousand cuts. But there's one woman who works there and like she'll message me things privately. She'll text message me things privately that she doesn't want to talk about out loud. So she was messaging me about like things that had been said about her by another coworker. And then that's through the game of telephone. I do believe it, but it's like, still, it's like you're hearing that from somebody who heard it from somebody else. And so she's like, I, I heard that these people said this about me. And then she's like, and I can see that they're staring at me and like talking about me right now. And I was next to those girls and like, they weren't talking about her. They weren't staring at her. Like everybody's staring at everybody. Everybody who works there, like if I just look around the store, it's just um, animal magnetism. Everybody's looking at everybody, looking at everybody. But if you already have it in your head that those people are talking shit about you, oh, they're staring at me. And what's funny is the girl who was said to be staring at the other girl, I later heard her having a conversation where she was like, she was like staring me down. Like, so they both perceived that each other was like staring them down, muttering under their breath, swearing under their breath. It's just funny. Like they both were accusing each other of doing the same thing. And they're both, you know, they both have issues with each other. 
but they hallucinated it. At that moment, like nobody was staring anybody down. I was right there. Nobody was staring anybody down. They're just looking at each other like everybody does. Like I'll see people like just going about their business, employees, and then they're like staring at me. But it's just like, you know, we're running the ghost ship. You got to know what the crew is doing. You want to know what's up. And there's not that much entertaining stuff going on. And it's because people are smart. It's because people are aware. They they watch. They notice far more. I mean, you know, the people who work there, it's like, I'm like the only person, I think, with a college education. And they're either young, like recently out of high school in their early 20s, and they just didn't go to college or didn't stay. Or they're like older, you know, they're a little older and they just, they fucked up their lives somehow and they're trying to regroup, but they didn't go to college. And I, you know, I, I don't hold college in any super high regard at this point, but you know, it's, it's making me very, I mean, I've worked mostly with educated people in the last, you know, most of my adult life. I've mainly worked with people who have college educations. So now working with a lot of people who don't. I can tell that they didn't go to college for both better and worse. For better because they don't care about any of that shit. Like even if they're libs, they're not libs in the same way that somebody who went to college is. And uh, they don't have those concerns. Like they're concerned with all kinds of bullshit. But they don't have those kinds of like educated liberal concerns at all and they also they they struggle with things like basic math sometimes like i don't i'm terrible at math i can barely do any math at all but i've had to do a lot more in this job and it's basic it's just like it's addition multiplication basic multiplication it's elementary school stuff it's stuff they actually teach you in elementary school it's just that you you have to calculate discounts. You have to calculate the percentage of something you're going to take off, or you know, just different things like that that are pretty basic. And I guess I, I never thought of those as I don't know. I, I just I never really thought of those. I've, I've never really had to do much of that professionally. You know, I have to do some accounting, balancing books and things. It's very easy. I it was the thing I was scared of most when I took on this job. I was like, oh god, like I've never you know, handled finances or accounting, but it's just so basic. Like once you do it a few times, it's just second nature. But something I've realized is that a lot of people struggle with like taking, like like if they're told like take 5% off of that, they don't really understand like the formula to do that. Like I can't do that in my head. Like, like 10% is easy because if something's like $129, it's going to be like 10% is going to be like $12.90. And then, you know, 5% would be half of that. But even just like inputting into a calculator, I've noticed like some people struggle with that. I don't think they're stupid for it. I just, I think they don't think about it. I just, they, they've never really thought about it. And I hadn't really either. And I was, I was scared of even doing that. But then I'm like, oh yeah, this is as easy as it always was. I haven't done this since I was in high school. I took a statistics class in college, but other than that, I don't think I took any math classes. I didn't have to.
But just doing the just basic math, I'm like, oh yeah, this is as easy as it always was. Sometimes I'm just dealing with more numbers and bigger numbers and more decimal decimal points. But I just realized, like, oh, that's something that some of these people struggle with. Not because they're stupid, not because they can't do it. It's just they, they did the bare minimum probably through public school. And then now it's just they're kind of like they, they don't really think they can do that. But I guess the whole point I'm getting at, though, is how smart these people are. Like every once in a while there's somebody, there's definitely customers for sure. Every once in a while there's an employee where you're like, yeah, this person is a little bit dumb. But for, I can't even think of a person, though. Because as I've said many times on here, I gauge intelligence by how aware somebody is, by how, not just observant, but just by how aware they are, how much they absorb, how much they understand about the things around them, what they notice. It's why I consider animals very smart, because they're so aware. So aware. They're so aware. They're so aware. Uh, But people are that way too, where it's just like, People looking at people, like, what got me going on this is just that I've learned just how much people pay attention to about each other. And I think because these people are a little more raw and unrefined, I think they're more open about that. Like, they they don't have any shame at, at mentioning what they notice. So in turn, I learn how smart they are. Whereas I think people who are educated or just from those sorts of circles... They're a little more cagey. They're obviously very aware too, but they're a little cagey. Like, I'm that way. I'm very cagey about my level of awareness. Like, I I have it in me that it serves me, it serves everything better. If I don't just, if I don't acknowledge how much I'm aware of and know just based on observing. I kind of, I'm like a human panopticon where I I don't like people to know whether I know or not. I try not to communicate. Like, I don't want them to know how aware I actually am. And when it comes up, I want them to be a little bit surprised maybe. But other people, they don't really have that filter. Like, they don't care. They don't... They don't have that, that kind of shame that people like me have over admitting how observant and aware we are. I don't know why I'm that way, but I, I know a lot of people who are like me. Like I remember having a conversation with a girl there a couple months ago, and she had noticed something that was going on there that was bothering her, and she asked me if I noticed it too. And I said, oh, of course. And I was like, Honestly, I notice everything. And she was like, me too. And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, trust me, I could tell you all kinds of things going on here. Uh, it was This wasn't me being arrogant. We were like confiding in each other. And I was just like, you know, yeah, there's some things I miss. But for the most part, like I'm aware of what everybody here is doing all the time. I'm aware of every time they walk by. I'm aware of the stuff I'm not supposed to be aware of. I didn't say all this, but I'm aware of the things that are that people think nobody knows. But it was clear that she was just as observant, and I've realized just about everybody is that way, with few exceptions. 
But I just have to be careful what I acknowledge. And I think as a boss, like that does serve you better. Like I'd rather have people thinking, I don't know if he saw me doing that. When he was looking over here, I don't know if he saw that. Now, I don't like to keep people on their toes, but I like, you know, being kind of a blank slate. Where unless I say something to you about it, I don't want you to know what I know. I don't want you to know what I'm, I noticed. Because that'll keep you more honest, too. But I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's strange, though, just coming to the realization lately that, like, oh, I can't really say shit. Because even the, there was a woman who was the floor manager, and I would confide in her. Like, we would talk about who wasn't a good worker, who was, who did this, you know, what this person caused this issue. You know, we just talk about that stuff. Some of it was very relevant to work. But a little bit of it wasn't. Some of it was just kind of venting, just comparing notes. And the problem with her is that she was doing that with other people too, that she shouldn't be doing it with. And uh, there's a kid now who's kind of taken her position, and I really like him. He's a great, wonderful guy. And he's my sole confident left, my sole confidant left. But I've realized he, he's he's kind of tapped into this social circle, like his romantic and social life now revolve around some other young people there. Like he's dating somebody who works there. He hangs out with them every night. Like they leave work together. They go hang out. And even though he's in a leadership position under me, he's young. He's very raw. And I have to be careful because even though I trust him, things slip. He's dating this girl. He's going to let things slip to her. He's going to let things slip to other people. A little bit goes a long way. And so I have to be careful what I say to him for that reason. Because the next thing I know, it could be reverberating around. Like he might tell her, the girl he's dating in confidence, but I know her and she's going to tell so-and-so and that person's going to tell so-and-so. It's going to just continue on. But then also the other part of it is I don't want to tell him certain things either because I don't want to worry him too much. I don't want to, uh, I don't want my venting or my observations to burden him because I think they, they can. I, I've seen where some of the things I've told him or said to him have burdened him. You know, he, he should just be able to go about his life, just do his job. I think he likes it when I confide in him, but I realize that it were like he, he'll worry about it because it becomes his issue. It's not that I'm, I'm excessively negative when I've done it. It's just that like now it's something he has to think about. It's a spell. Oh, here's a little spell. I'm going to, I'm going to cast my spell on you. And so I'm, where I'm left is like, there's really nobody there. There was one guy. He quit today, unfortunately. You know, in the ghost ship episode, I was talking about how, you know, working in this haunted building where all kinds of crazy stuff is happening among the people, first and foremost, but in the building, too, it's certainly haunted. There's certainly something taking place. This stained glass altar watching over us every day in the warehouse. Uh, 
you know, I mentioned how there's like the wise old black man who had worked in that building seven years ago and then just somehow he ended up back there. Even though he lives in another city, he commutes and he works in this building. And he's been like my first mate. You know, he's been like my my guy. Fun, gregarious, outgoing guy. 53-year-old black guy from the South. Just a very funny, wise guy with a great attitude, a, a Gulf War veteran. Love the guy. But he's very large. He's very unhealthy. He drinks a lot. He's about 300 pounds. He's, you know, my height, maybe a little taller, but like easily 300 pounds. Very big guy. He's had some ankle issues. You know, working a job where he's on his feet for 10 hours a day is not good for a guy like that. But the other day, a few days ago, he fell off his porch and hurt his leg again and also found out he has to get lung surgery. And, you know, he's been unhappy there for a while. You know, he just... He hasn't really enjoyed being there, but he's very, he was very loyal to me. Uh, he, he told me today that he told his wife, like, he's been sticking it out for me. And, you know, that means so much to me. But I don't want him to keep doing it. And then this injury, I don't know. I mean, that's where we're at in the movie. Where we're at in the movie is that the wise black man who worked in that building seven years ago and knows the secrets of the building. I mentioned that in the other episode. He knows all these secrets about the building. And he's he always just, like, says... This building, man. This building. People don't know the things that have gone on in this building. It's like a movie where like the, the old black man has been working in the hotel for 40 years. He knows about all the ghosts, all the secrets, all the occultism in this old hotel. You know, I'm exaggerating a little, but that's kind of what this guy is like. With this guy who worked in this building years ago, this building has been mostly vacant and abandoned since then. Just a spirit Halloween store has popped up there occasionally once a year. But he's just he he he's in he's tapped into the building and he has he's been there before. He's been there a long time. Something drew him back to that building, is what I keep thinking. And then all of a sudden though, he like took a fall off his porch and he's on crutches. And I'm like, oh, that's where we're at in the movie. Like something happened to him. But uh, he's a guy that, like, I felt like I could talk pretty freely to about most things. And it wouldn't get around. Like, if I told him something, like, if I had to deal with an issue with an employee in a different part of the store, I could go tell him. And he, you know, he's a salesman, so he, he's working on his own. I could tell him, and it won't burden him. He'll just go, oh. He'll just laugh. And so I lost him today because he had to quit because of his health crisis. Um, but even then, I like e even though I feel like I could tell him a lot of things, I realized he was kind of unhappy there, not because of me, just for for various reasons. He was sighing a lot. Like when you're sitting there and nobody's talking and somebody just sighs a lot, you know, you know they're not feeling great about things. And uh, so he's doing that a lot, and then. Uh, I can just tell, like, this guy, I don't need to vent to this guy. And now he's gone anyway, as of today. Then the kid, my other confidant, I've realized that I got to be very careful because he might let things slip to these girls that he hangs out with every day. 
either that or he internalizes it because he really internalizes the smallest things. He's very hard on himself. Like there'll be like fuck ups or something at work that have nothing to do with him. And he, 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 he like apologizes to me and I'm just like, man, it's, you didn't do anything. But I, you know, so it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, shit. I'm, I'm now officially in that position where I'm, I'm alone with my thoughts and I don't want to burden my bosses because if I'm feeling death by a thousand cuts, they're dealing with death with a mil- death by a million cuts. They're dealing with every single store, every single manager. They're getting text messages, phone calls all day long. Everybody is just needs things from them all day long. If I feel like people are too wanty and needy of me, my bosses have that tenfold. So I only bug them when absolutely necessary. I try to at least. But as a result, like I can't call them, right? When I see them, I can't go, let me talk to you about this. Because when I first, when I, when I was a new manager and I was first starting to have some issues with personnel, I remember like one of my bosses came to the store and awesome guy. I can talk to him about anything, but I was like, oh, I'm having some issues with this. And he's like, that's just how it's going to be. Like not in a dismissive way. He wasn't trying to shut me down, but he was just like, oh, you're just going to be dealing with that all the time. You know, that's just, there's, he's like, there's going to be like three or four people that you can totally depend on and don't cause you any issues. But like everybody else, it's just going to be that way. And this guy's been doing this forever. Like his family did it. You know, he's been doing this enti- his entire life. And he's, and he's just like, that's how it's going to be. Like, and I was like, oh yeah, I don't, I, I can't just go to him and bitch about this and that. And this will pass. Like this feels like the most important thing to me. Oh, this woman who's calling out sick to work, creating elaborate lies to explain why she has to leave early or not come in. He's dealt with that a million times. Like this feels like, cause it, it it's all, um, it's as above, so below where like these people who work under me, whatever's bothering them today is the most important thing in the world. And they think that I need to do something about it or, or at least hear them out and acknowledge it. I'm like, fuck, this is so unimportant. This is going to be over tomorrow. You're going to clock out and tomorrow's going to be a new day and you're not going to care about this. But, you know, as above, so below, because that's my boss. Like the things that I might go to them about, they're like, this is going to be over tomorrow. This is, this is going to be over and done with. Like this thing that's bothering you today, this is going to be over. And you're just going to burden me with it. So, you know, it just goes uphill. Uh, you know, so as a result, though, like there's very little you can say to people. You just, you have to, and and there's, it's a good thing because your thoughts are bad enough when they're just in your own head, but we have this need to share our thoughts, which is a great thing. It's great that we share our thoughts, but we have a need to share our bad thoughts, especially it's why people gossip. It's why people share rumors. It's why they talk shit. It's like we have this need to get our bad thoughts out of us, to like purge them from us, but we don't purge them is the problem. When you express a bad thought, you don't actually purge it. It stays with you. You just spread it. It's like a bacterial infection. It's not like 
you release by by talking shit about someone it's not like you release the demon that's making you do that it's just like bacteria that stays with you you stay sick and infected you just pass on the disease to somebody else you just poison the well meanwhile you're still drinking from that same well and i guess that you know poisoning the well you know that's an issue too i've dealt with where there've been like two people, two women who I really liked and respected and got along with well, but they both left under bad circumstances. Both of them had problems with someone from upper management for various reasons I'm not going to get into. But both of them had had is- similar issues basically. And uh you know, I think they were in many ways they were right. Like in many ways like what they were upset about was a real thing. And they had reason to be upset by it. It wasn't like harassment. It was just stuff that was going on that didn't directly affect them. But they were aware of it. And it ate away at them. But the problem was when they left, they poisoned the well. Like they went around telling everybody this and that. One of them went around and like told people things that so-and-so had said. Things so-and-so had done. And so even though they I think they were justified in many ways for being upset and maybe leaving they had to spread the infection before they left. And I think they did it thinking it would change things or that it would have some big impact. When the reality is like it's a big thing for a day, like when someone quits and there's drama attached to it, it's big for a day. People talk about it for a day and then they just move on. It feels like the biggest thing in the world, especially when it first happens. When you first experience it, you're like, "Oh, this is going to rock the company for months." Next day, no. Being the manager, it can rock me because now I have to hire somebody new or I have to do something. But even then, I'm just it's very practical to me. Like the guy quitting today, even though he quit for health reasons, there was no drama. He didn't poison the well, which I really respect. He could have. Like he had misgivings and stuff that he could have shared with people. He could have gone around and told people what was on his mind, some of the his misgivings. But he didn't. And that's that's how I do things too. Um but even though I was really sad to lose this guy, I really loved this guy. After he told me he quit and I said goodbye, I was just like I got to get somebody else. We're now understaffed. We're now really understaffed in that sales position. And not only that, but I need to hire and train somebody who can work his exact schedule for me to even have an off for me to even have two off days a week. I can get by with one off day right now, but until I train somebody to do what he does and to do it competently, I have one less off day because I have to be here. So my mind immediately went to like how can I solve this problem that has just presented itself? And that's what I've done when these other people have left and they have poisoned the well. I'm just like, okay, I have to I'm going to have to do something now to keep this store running. I've just I just have to move on. It's it's not something that lingers. Like maybe echoes of it linger. 
you know, especially in the when the well has been poisoned, it lingers. The poison lingers. But what's interesting about my role, and it's it's a learning experience because I've never dealt with this kind of turnover and hiring. It's just it's a revolving door, and it's not my doing. Like I would take responsibility for it if it was my doing, but it hasn't been. It's just been something that I have to deal with. Because all these people have told me like. I love you, you know, you know, you're, I love having you as a boss. Like I'm leaving for this reason. The guy today was for health reasons, but you know, everybody, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but they've all, they've all made it clear. Like one girl who quit under very bad circumstances was really mad at the company, bought me a $50 gift certificate to a restaurant when she quit. You know, she wasn't making great money. Like I make more money than she does for sure. And I I felt awful about it. I was like, she bought me a gift card or even if she got it for free, even if she just, that was like a gift from somebody else that she passed on to me, still a $50 gift card she could have used. And I was just like, that's crazy. Like what a nice thing to do. But also like, I felt so bad. Like you don't have to give, you don't have to give me a gift card. And this other woman who left, like, you know, she quit under bad circumstances too. Those are the only ones where the circumstances have been really bad or anything. But like she, a couple weeks after she quit, like she invited me to her daughter's graduation, high school graduation. I, I can't go. I have no reason to go, but I'm just like, it's really sweet. Like she obviously has a high opinion of me. So I really, I know that I'm not responsible for the turnover and the problems, but I'm the one who has to deal with them. It's my responsibility to deal with them. And as a result, I'm kind of hardened to it where these things that the people involved feel like this is the, it's an earthquake. Today, that's the earthquake. For me, it's just like, okay, earthquake, I immediately have to start rebuilding. I immediately have to start fixing things. And as a result, I can't get emotional. I can't feel anything about it. And that's a good thing. It's a good quality to learn to have. Because, I mean, there would have been points in my life when I was younger where if these things exploded at a job, I'd be emotionally invested. It would linger. With this, it's just purely like, okay, what, what practical steps can I take to offset what just happened? It's not even something I have to choose to do. It's literally the only thing I can do. And I, I've noticed that about my bosses as well. Because like they kind of set the tone for me. Because I answer to them, they set the tone for me. And the way they respond to these issues is not like, oh, let's discuss it in depth. We discuss it, but... We just move on to like, okay, what's the next step now? What do we have to do to counteract this? What do we have to do to keep things running? And I think that's just kind of where I'm at in general. I'm realizing that I have to be kind of hardened to do this. Not mean. People think I'm really nice. Even though I've fired several people in a short amount of time, like, the people there like think I'm nice. It's just for not showing up. But the people there, they, they generally think I'm one person said like Eric's the chillest boss I've ever had, which I, I don't really like to hear that. 
because I don't want you to think I'm too chill. And I, I just don't really want to know. I don't, I don't really want to know whether you like me or not. You should be a human panopticon just like I am. Like I tell, I tell people I appreciate them. I thank them when they do something. But I don't really want you to know all there is to know or even most of it about what I know or what I'm thinking. I don't really want to know that about you either. And that's kind of part of the part of the hardening process is like I've reached the point where like when people come to me with things, I just kind of go, okay. I just I try to get away from it as soon as possible, not to be evasive, not to address things. But if it's if it's important, I will address it. But it's even with like conversation and stuff. Because, like, I, you know, I'll have these pockets of downtime where nothing's going on and I just look at my phone or do something. But those are so necessary. Like, I don't feel like I'm not doing enough because I do so fucking much, fucking, I do so fucking much every other minute of the day that those pockets of downtime are really necessary. Just to be sane. But I'm, I often have like five people who need something from me at once or five things that need my attention at once. And even something as simple as like an employee being like, oh, Eric, let me tell you about this thing in my life. Let me tell you about this. You know, it's nice when they share good news about their life with you. I like that. But it's like I've noticed like I'm like their dad or something where they really want to share things with me. Like, dad, you know, I learned this. Dad, like I saw this today. And I banter with people and joke around with people, but more and more I'm doing it less of as a peer. Like earlier on, I was more like, we had all opened the store together, like we had all started together. So even though I was their boss, I was much more like, I would joke around with them more like a peer. I've reached the point now where I'm just kind of like, okay, and then I move on. Because it's death by a thousand cuts. And some of the cuts are good things. Some of it is people just being friendly. Some of it is just them being normal. But I, I still, I, I really can't deal with it. I really can't care about this right now. And I don't want that to reach a point where I'm burned out or I truly don't care because I do care. But it's like, I'm just like, oh yeah, I can't think about this. Can't think, can't think, can't think, can't think. That's kind of where I'm at. Oh, don't make me think about this right now. Don't, you know, I'm, I'm using all my energy to do a lot of other things right now. Don't make me think about this. And so I'm kind of learning that where it's just kind of, you know, as a friend of mine said to me, I was talking to a friend about this who said, uh, all you owe people, like all you can do for people is give them security and stability. And it, it was a very great thing to hear at that moment because I was like, oh yeah, that is that is what I'm doing. I'm giving people a lot of that. I'm giving people a lot of security and stability right now. And beyond that, I don't really owe them anything. The conversation wasn't about that, like owing people something, but it applies to this where it's like, oh yeah, I, I really don't owe them that. I can be nice. I can be friendly. I think I'm pretty decent. I'm pretty good to people. But if I just give them security and stability, they really can't ask for anything else from me as their boss. But they're wanty. They want. 
And whatever the big thing to them that day is, is what they want the most. But it's, even though I just, you know, was talking about how smart these people are and how self-aware they are, how, actually that, there's a difference there. I think what I've noticed is they're very aware, but they're not as self-aware. I think that's one, when I say these people are raw, I think that's part of it. They're aware of everything. They're very observant. They're thinking about things. They're people thinking about people thinking about people. Everyone's a mirror just bouncing the same laser beam back and forth between them. But I, I've noticed that many of them aren't very self-aware. Like they don't pick up on cues. Like when they're radioing me for some nonsense, when they're, they're wanting something from me, I don't think they pick up on the cues. They're like, I need to go do something else. I can't, I can't just stand here and talk about this. I can't think about this. This, oh yeah, this, I can't sit there and just go this, 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 I can't just sit there and do the this thing. And when I try to communicate that subtly, they don't pick up on it. And when they come to me and say this, this. I'm, I, I, to me, that's not this. My this is not that this. And if it's a big enough this to you, it will become my this. And I'd rather deal with that this sooner rather than later. But a lot of the things, a lot, a lot of little cuts, little micro razor blade cuts you're hitting me with, it's not even. It's not going to be my this. And. Unfortunately, people don't pick up on that. They don't really think about it. Like, talking about the way I am with my bosses, I try really hard not to call them or message them with this, 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 because I know that's not their this. It's not their this. And I just kind of have to eat it. I have to recognize that, oh, that's just a this. All that is, it's just a this. All that is, it's just a this. And I just have to stomach it and deal with it and realize that there's nobody... Because my this to the people under me, I can't make that their this. They don't know how to handle my this. People under me, they're, they're not paid enough. They're not, they're not the right kind of people. We don't have the right kind of relationship for their bosses this to be shared with them because that's that's too heavy of a, a boulder for them to carry. And they don't need to carry it anyway, so why even hand it to them? Um, but the thing is, is like the nature of the relationship is that their this goes to me. My this doesn't go to them. Their this comes to me. This is just nonsense language, but it makes sense. I know I know what I'm saying. And so it, they have to pass their this on to me because that's the way it's supposed to work. But they don't really have the self-awareness to always know whether it's an important this. 
like they don't they don't have that component that I have and this isn't me just praising myself I'm just saying that I have it which is like oh yeah I know I'm self-aware enough to know most of the time when and when not to bring something up with my bosses people under me don't don't have that they're raw if they're feeling it they're saying it and uh, if they're saying it it's one of the the cuts but it is it's this portal you enter you know you go into a place I don't know I've never had a work experience like this and I think because it's like a store and there's an open sign that you turn on and you unlock the doors and these customers come in I think that it's it's a portal to them like the I open the portal in the morning and I close the portal at night the portal to the ghost ship I open it and I close it every night and while we're there while we're after we've all entered the portal for the day like that's everything the ship is everything I'm running around the deck. It's a big building. And I think that building's just going to collapse one day. I mean, I know it is. You know, I think after our store is wherever wherever our ship sails, wherever our ghost ship sails, I think the building's just going to collapse inward. I don't think anything else is ever going to go in that building. I just have that feeling. And, uh, but like while we're in the portal for the day, after we've walked through the portal, it's like whatever you're encounter, it's like an episode, whatever you're encountering in that episode is the, the plot line of the episode, but the next episode it's, it's episodes are standalone. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit of a story arc that develops over several episodes a season, but most things is just a one-off. It might as well be an old Star Trek episode. Oh, we're on this planet today. And I have to say, I was very wrong about one thing when I started. I look back and I realize how naive I was. When I you know, started at this store, being new to retail, taking on a management position, I remember saying to my friend one night, I was like, you know, the nice thing about retail is... There's going to be less drama among the employees. There's going to be less issues among the employees because we're up against customers. We're going to be united. We're, we're going to be a united front against the customers all day, good and bad. But we're all on the same team dealing with these other people all day. And so the stuff that I've seen play out in offices where like offices, it all goes inward. Like you're with the same people all day, every day. You have limited interaction with the public, if any. And so everything just collapses inward. Speaking of collapsing inward, like all of the issues are just internal to the to the people who work together. And I was like, working in a store, it's I think it's gonna be different because it's all external. External. It's all external. It's us dealing with the public. You know, I had that in my head. And I look back and I'm like, I couldn't have been more wrong. Yes, we're dealing with external factors. We're dealing with thieves, weirdos, weirdos, uh, 
good customers, trying to sell people things, trying to give people a good customer service experience. We're dealing with all those normal things that retail deals with, with the public. But all the stuff that goes on among the employees, oh, it's the worst I've ever seen. It's the worst I've ever seen as far as internal issues. And I, I feel like there's very, I'm, I'm just, it's an uphill battle and I'm fighting in vain to even just slow it down. I think we will reach a point where it dies down a little bit. I think a lot of this is baggage that goes back to when the store opened. I mean, I, I, I can say as a, a, it's a statement of fact that a lot of the issues really go back to before I was a manager and just things that were playing out from the beginning have just continued to creep in. There's baggage. Certain people there have baggage with each other, by themselves. And uh, I think we will, will reach a point where like the people with baggage go. And we've already lost most of them. Most of the people with any serious baggage there have already come and gone. And so I think we will reach a point where it's not this bad. It can't stay this bad. If it stays this bad, like, I can't, that's unsustainable for me. But I was very wrong. That's my point. My point is about how wrong I was. I was like, oh, there'll be fewer of those sorts of issues because it's, we'll, we'll all be, the whole crew will be on the same team. And there's these other people coming in all day, every day. Hundreds of people. So we'll be united uh, against them and with them. Well, we will be united. Nope. Yeah, some people. But, uh, <laughs> you know, not a lot of them. The whole crew just turns on each other. It's, oh, it's, we just got to keep this ghost ship sailing. We got to deal with the sea. We got to deal with some sharks in the water. You know, we got to deal with storms. But the crew, we're all going to be working together. Nope. The storms, the sharks, the, the sea, all that's still an issue. But the crew's fighting. The crew, the, the crew is is just gets nasty. It's not most of them, but the ones, and it's it's typically the same people involved one way or another. But uh, it's not most. It's not everybody. It's just that you can't avoid it when it's there. And so there's a loneliness to what I'm doing right now. I've had other jobs that are very lonely in their own way. I've had jobs where I just sit at a desk and don't interact with people very much all day. That's lonely too. But this is interesting because it's a very social environment. There's nothing more social than running a small business in a large retail store. Because... There's noise, there's talking, there's interaction all around me all the time. It all depends on interaction. It all depends on this good and bad friction between human beings all day, every day. That's what a retail store is. It's just nonstop human friction for better and worse. And 
that's a that's a, a different form of loneliness to experience and it's not lonely in a bad way like when i say it's lonely i'm just riffing on that quote from earlier it's not that i i am actually experiencing like the sensation of like i feel so alone i feel so alone i feel so alone you know it's not like i feel that way like i'm missing anything it's more just realizing i like the word lonesome more it's it's lonesome it's just it's alone I can't say things to people. I have to be very deliberate about what I say. I have to have a very, very good filter. And I have to be very deliberate as far as what I say and when I say it and how I bring it up. Fortunately, I feel capable of that. It's not a struggle for me, but I have to remind myself. I certainly have to remind myself that that's how I have to be. And I think I'm adjusting to it too. I think I am just coming to accept it and I'm becoming kind of hardened to it. Like I don't have to say those things. If I can control my thoughts in meditation, I can con certainly control my thoughts in waking life. If I can control my thoughts when I'm sitting there with my eyes closed and thoughts are just pouring into my head because there's no other stimuli. I can certainly do it when I'm just going about my day. And I am doing it. It's just reminding myself that's how things are. And getting used to it. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free. So take.